everyone, my name is Jemai McKinney, or you can just call me Juice because that is my nickname. On today's show, I am joined by a good friend of mine, a friend I go to college with. His name is Caleb Gill, and while we are on campus, usually during the school year, at the University of Toledo, we do weekly radio together on 88.3 WXUT, so that's always a fun time with me, Caleb, and my good friend Simon. So... On today's episode, we're going to be talking about everything New York Jets football because Caleb is a New York Jets fan. So we're going to discuss the Jamal Adams situation, about if he will be traded or not. We'll talk about how Sam Darnold projects as an NFL quarterback. We will talk about Adam Gase and how bad of a coach he is. We'll just talk about how the Jets season went this past year, how many wins, how many games can they win this upcoming season, and pretty much just everything New York Jets football, you know. And also... Towards the end of the show, we will discuss who in our who in our opinion is the most underrated NFL team heading into 2020. So be sure to stay tuned to the end of the show to get that gym right there. You can follow my good you can follow my good friend Caleb on Instagram. His Instagram is C underscore G-I-L-L-05. His Twitter is at C underscore G-I-L-L26. You can follow him there. Also this show can be found on YouTube, so if you have not subscribed to the Juice Alert on YouTube, be sure to subscribe to the Juice Alert on YouTube, tell all your friends and family about it. I do post short clip episodes from these, you know, podcast shows, so be sure to check me out on YouTube once again. That's pretty much all I have to say right here. I appreciate I appreciate you, Caleb, for coming on the show. It's always fun talking sports, sports with you. Can't wait to get back on campus and talk some sports on 88.3 WXUT with you. And without further ado, I bring you my show with my good friend Caleb. Hope you guys enjoy. Hello. Hey, what's going on, Caleb? How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, man. So for those of you that do not know, as I mentioned in my intro, Caleb is a guy that I go to college with. He's a Jets fan. And we do weekly radio together, so I'm excited to get you on to talk about your Jets. So before we get started, talk, tell the audience why you became a Jets fan. Well, I came from, uh, I was born in Germany. My dad was in the service. About 2008, we moved back to the United States. I was introduced to football around that time, and I was, I really started getting into the NFL around 2009, 2010. And around that time, the Jets were going to back-to-back AFC championship games. They had Ladanian Tomlinson, uh, Antonio Holmes, Darrell Reeves. That te- those teams were stacked, and it was just so much fun to watch those. And then since then, it's been just large disappointment. Got it, got it. I understand that. So we'll get let's just, let's just get into how the Jets season went this past year. The Jets go seven and nine this past year. Um, obviously, big additions in the offseason, Le'Veon Bell and C.J. Mosley. Those were some of the key additions. Le'Veon Bell did not have the greatest season. C.J. Mosley obviously got hurt, so those were disappointments. And look, I didn't expect the Jets to make the playoffs. I felt that they were just a team that was kind of up and coming a little bit. Obviously, Sam Darnold gets mono. The team is unwatchable when he was not playing. And, you know, when he comes back, the team actually looks like a real football team. You know, you get some big wins versus the Cowboys. The Raiders actually were playing pretty well. Then you guys, you know, destroyed them at home. You beat the Giants. But then there were some stinkers in there, you know, 31 to nothing versus the Patriots. And I got to be honest with you, Caleb, Adam Gates kind of looked bad in some of these games as the head coach. So 
Look, I don't think that Jets fans should be disappointed about their season simply because Darnold had the mono. And I don't think that even a realistic Jets fan believed the team was probably going to make the playoffs. Maybe you did. You could, you know, dispute me on that. But that's just my thoughts. So, kind of talk about how the season went this past year. Well, there was a lot of high hopes setting into the season. And they're all going to second year. Adam Gase was brought in because he's supposed to be this quote-unquote offensive guru. But those never really came, those never became true, it seems like. The first game of the season, uh, the Jets were up 16 nothing against the Bills. D.J. Mosley gets hurt, and then the Bills win 17-16. And then that started the downhill climb from there, or fall from there. Sam Darnold got mono, like you said. And the Jets often just became anemic. There was nothing there. Most of their points came off of defense and special teams around the uh, the Luke Falk times, and it was just bad football. And Luke Falk was a guy that Adam Gase, that was supposed to be his backup. And I've watched backups all over the NFL this past season succeed at least once or twice. And it, when you are when you have an offensive guru supposedly like Adam Gase, you hope that the offense will be able to put some points on the board with the backup quarterback, and they never did that. And then Sam Darnold finally came back from Mono, had a good game against the Cowboys. Things started looking great from there. But it was some thinkers, like you said. The Jets became the first team in NFL history to lose to two teams that were 0-7 and worse in the same season. They handed the Dolphins their first win and the Bengals their first win this year. That was disappointing and embarrassing as a Jets fan. And end of the season off 6-2, and two. but you look at those games, they were against the Giants, the Redskins, Raiders were alright, their Week 17 game was a victory over the Bills JV team. There's not much to be proud of at this point. We just expected a lot more, and honestly, we 7-9 and nine kind of seems disappointing, especially when you think of the strengths of strength of schedule that the Jets had. The Jets had one of the easiest schedules in the NFL and couldn't capitalize. Even though Sam Darnold had mono, there was still time to capitalize and they just never did. Adam Gase has, since becoming head coach of the Dolphins, his offenses have plummeted. Ever since leaving Peyton Manning, actually, if you think about it, he's had, the last few years, 29, 30, 31, 32, like in that order. Like, it keeps progressively getting worse in total offense. So, Jets fans are really disappointed with Gase right now. I have a shirt that says, Fire Adam Gase, if you remember that. I do remember that. I remember that. And if you look at a lot of the success that they had at the tail end of the season, it wasn't really the offense. It was really Greg Williams and that defense who showed that even though you're missing a lot of pieces, you can still win. The Jets had a top 10 ranked defense, even though they were missing their CJ Mosley and their other next two linebackers. They lost Avery Williamson and Blake Cashman, who were their 1, 2, and 3 middle linebackers. Their corners were atrocious. Tremaine Johnson was awful and should never got in the big contract that he did. Daryl Roberts was is a mediocre backup. He should not be starting. But they were still able to get a top 10 defense. And that's another thing that's irritating for Jets fans is you have a guy on one end of football who is able to adapt. 
and able to show that, yes, we're hurt. Yes, we may not have the best players, but we still perform very well. Where on the other side of the football, there was a lot of blame and or a lot of excuses, I should say. Uh, the offensive line was bad. The offensive line was bad, but it was also coached very poorly. You could see times where the offensive line would just stand up and not know who to block. It's not like they were just letting guys through and not blocking very well a lot of the time. They just didn't know their assignment. So that's on coaching. And then the scheme and the lack of adjustment throughout the game. The first drives for a lot of these games were very good. They were very good on the script. And then they go off the script and they have to learn how to actually be a coordinator and call plays on the fly, and they just couldn't do it. So this upcoming season, it's got to be make or break for Adam Gase, who made no adjustments to his coaching staff that ranked 32 in total offense. Sam Darnold still does not have a quarterback coach, which is very disappointing. And his offensive coordinator is his best friend. That uh, They were in Chicago together. It was just 7-9 and nine looks good on paper, but when you watch the season and why they're 7-9, and nine, it's just still disappointing. Gotcha, gotcha. You make a lot of good points. I agree with a lot of things you said. So, look, it's a quarterback and coach league. So, I want to get to Sam Darnold and get your thoughts on how he projects and just the situation he's in right now. Let's kind of go back to, you know, college. Um, In college, I felt Sam Darnold was a good prospect. Not necessarily a great prospect, but I saw some tools that I liked. I thought that the reason why I was not on the Sam Darnold is a great prospect hype train was simply because I saw some turnovers, some bad decision-making under pressure, and just a little bit of recklessness to his game. But I do have to admit that he didn't have great coaching at USC. You know, Clay Helton's a solid head coach, but at times he kind of underwhelmed me. So Darnold stood to overcome some things in college. But I I thought that he was a franchise quarterback if he fully pans out. And in the NFL, I'm not totally all in on Darnold right now simply because I see some bad interceptions. I see some at times, inaccurate throws, and, you know, it just kind of gets to a point where I just don't quite know what Sam Darnold is going to become. You can make the argument that Darnold can become a great franchise quarterback. There, there's an argument argument to be made for that. But at the same time, you know, you can look at Sam Darnold and say, okay, there's an argument maybe to be made that he may not pan out. But at the same time, I'm going to give Sam Darnold the benefit of the doubt simply because the Jets' offensive line is atrocious. Who's who's his best weapon? Robbie Anderson? I mean, we thought Le'Veon Bell would be great this year. He didn't perform up to par. And at the end of the day, Sam Darnold is still 23 years old. So I'm not going to tell you that I'm going to project Sam Darnold to be this franchise game-changing quarterback. But at the same time, I see the potential at times. I just don't know what he can become because I think that he's set up to fail and I see a guy that's just not able to overcome dysfunction. And he does have some problems. You know, the precision, the accuracy at times can be an issue. So I'm just kind of in wait and see mode. And if I had to project, I just don't think Darnold's going to work long term. So wh- what what are your thoughts on Darnold? And should Jets fans feel very optimistic? I do think that he is definitely the future so far, but only time will tell. I'm a big Sam Darnold fan. Um... One of his issues, like you mentioned, was his turnovers in college. If you look back at his senior year, a lot of those turnovers were fumbles. So his rookie season, the first thing that his quarterback coach had him do, he would only hold 
uh, the football with one hand when he was in the pocket. And that caused a lot of the fumbles because of defense will come in, swap the, swap the ball down, he didn't have that good protection. That's one of the first things his quarterback coach's rookie year did was get him to learn how to hold the ball with two hands. That definitely helped in terms of the fumbling. The interception, it's kind of part of his game. I, I hate saying that, but Brett Favre had a lot of interceptions, but he also had a lot of these wild-type plays. And if you get more wild-type plays than the interceptions, then it kind of... We've had a lot of bad quarterbacks in the last couple decades. So getting a Sam Darnold who can make these wild type plays is really refreshing for us. And also, he has had some terrible coaching from college to the pros. Clay Helton was not a great coach. Um, his coach's rookie season got fired. And then his second season, he's learning another offensive uh, system, which I still don't think is that great of a system. And then... Jets have just have not surrounded him with the right talent. But, but, uh, a lot of times, a lot of uh, quarterbacks, their success depends on where they're drafted. So Lamar Jackson, I credit a lot of his success to the fact that he fell to the Ravens. Um, Russell Wilson ended up in a great spot with the Seahawks. Tom Brady ended up in a great spot with the Patriots. It just kind of depends on where you go to, and the Jets just have been a, been a dysfunctional organization. I still have hope for Donald, and I don't know about this season, mainly because the Jets' strength, the Jets' schedule this season is pretty horrible. They have the second uh, toughest strength of schedule, and it's he's pretty young still. He's got the talent, and he's, the offensive line did get a little better. And I think just with that, an offensive line that is just mediocre this year will be a lot better for Sam. Because he doesn't have to, he can uh, sit in the pocket a little bit longer, make better reads, and make better plays, too. I'm looking more towards next season when it's, okay, either Gage is going to be there, or we're going to have, hopefully, a better offensive system. I want him to succeed this year, but I'm also being... Re- i got to be realistic with myself and realize this may not be our year. We play the Chiefs, the 49ers, the Seahawks, the Rams, Cardinals, the uh, Chargers, Raiders. We play, a, we play a brutal schedule. So, it's just... I'd love to see Darnold do better this year, but it's still waiting to... Especially with, I don't trust the offensive system he's in, and I don't trust the fact that Gates can set him up to succeed. Yeah, I totally agree with you on some of those points. I, I do. I'm one of those. I'm one of those people that do believe that where you go definitely matters. You know, we talk about Josh. You know, you talked about Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's obviously talented, no doubt. But you know, he goes to a great organization that tailors an offense to his skill set. You look at Josh Allen. He was a mess at Wyoming at times. He goes to a team with a great defense, a very solid head coach. They're gonna run the football. They're not gonna ask him to do too much. And now they're getting him more weapons with Stephon Diggs. So. Only time will tell with Sam Darnold. I don't think Jets fans should be all out on Darnold right now. I think that you got to give him about another year or two. But, yeah, only time will tell with Sam Darnold, I should say. Now, I want to dive a little bit deep. Yeah, go ahead. You also said about how the Bills got uh, Josh Allen some weapons. 
That's another thing the Jeff just has not done with Darnold. Look at all these young quarterbacks that have come in. Baker Mayfield got OBJ. Josh Allen got Stephon Diggs. Lamar Jackson, he just got a whole new offense tailored to his skill set. These quarterbacks are Tyler Murray just got DeAndre Hopkins. What do the Jets have? Rashard Perriman. They let his number one go. And then they drafted a second round receiver who they're hoping will be a, a number one target. They have not gone out and gotten him a number one. They have not surrounded him with the right talent. And that kind of it doesn't work out in his favor when he's compared to some of these quarterbacks that have come on the last few years. And I almost I want to say that's unfair because he's just not being surrounded by it. The lack of uh, having a good organization has really screwed up his development. I agree. I think that he's got to get up to speed this year. But yeah, I mean, we'll see. What, we'll see how Darnold pans out. I don't think he's set up to succeed, and that's a bad sign. But I want to dive a little bit deeper into Adam Gase right now. You know, when Todd Bowles was the head coach, I personally felt that he was decent. But at the same time, I understood why the Jets fired him because he was more of a defensive-minded head coach. And you would think that Sam Darnold, okay, let's get an offensive-minded head coach in there. So, look, I actually was okay with the Gates hire at first simply because I thought I didn't think that Ryan Tannehill was that good in Miami. But we saw when Ryan Tannehill went to a team with a good offensive line and a good running game, he goes all the way to the AFC Championship game. So, while at the time... I was impressed that Adam Gase got a guy like Ryan Tannehill to the playoffs. When you look back, you wonder why did Ryan Tannehill not get to the playoffs more? And I see a guy that can't really adjust on the fly. And I look at five traits as far as, you know, who's a good head coach. The five traits for me are do players respect you? You know, people respect Bill Belichick. They're not going to run over Bill Belichick. A bad example of this was Freddie Kitchens. No players respected him. They just ran over him. They didn't care about him, okay? Are you organized? You know, do, how do you spend your time out? So that's the second, um, you know, trait that I would say. Are you a great decision maker? I don't think Gase is a great decision maker. Number four, can you make adjustments? I don't see the adjustments. And number five, do you know the X's and O's of football? That's kind of, you know, the, okay, that's, that's literally what you should know. You know, a football coach should know something about X's and O's. So you would hope that he knows X's and O's. And I don't see an offensive guru. I don't see a Kyle Shanahan. So, Gaze fails about four of those traits, in my opinion. And I don't think that he's passing the fifth trait, X, knowing X's nose very well. So, let's dive a little bit deeper into Adam Gaze. You know, you said to make or break year for him. You know, talk about how Gaze has done as the head coach and what grade would you give him so far? Because I don't think the grade's pretty. No, I, the grade is not really good. If you're counting going back to his Miami Dolphins days, which is another reason why it's make a break here, he came into this job having already failed as a head coach. He wasn't a rookie head coach, and he deserved more time. It was He failed as a head coach before. He came in, and he's failing as a head coach now, which is why he should it's gotta be make or break going into the second year. If you go back to his Dolphin days, his first year, he made it to the playoffs and lost in the wild card to the Steelers. Dolphins fans, I'm sure, were like, okay, we'll, we'll take it. And then just kind of got worse from there. His offensive weren't good. He constantly uh, got rid of some of his good players. And 
you mentioned Ryan Tannehill succeeding and making it to the AFC Championship game without him. Look at Kenyon Drake. He was doing well in Arizona without him. Jarvis Landry, he's doing well in uh, Cleveland without him. Hey, really quickly, really quickly, not to cut you off, but Devontae Parker as well. Devontae Parker did great this year without him. Damian Williams should have won the MVP of the Super Bowl this year, in my opinion, without him. So these players are going off and they're succeeding without him, which is another reason uh, there's many of us Jets fans that have hope for Sam Darnold in a laughable kind of way, because if Gates is gone this year, We've already seen what players can do after Gates. They can only go up. And, like you said, his adjustments, not good. And he relies too much on his game plan. He sticks to the game plan, and that is it. And if his plan isn't working, he throws in the garbage and says, screw it, I don't know what to do. That's not good coaching. You have to be able to adjust. You have, like, there's a lot of, all those traits that you said, I agree with. And also, as a head coach, you shouldn't just be calling plays. you got to be a CEO of the team. you got to be able to make your offensive coordinator call the plays. His offensive coordinator holds his challenge flag. That's all I've really ever seen him do. His defensive coordinator, he's literally called him the, de- the head coach of the defense. I don't like that either. This shows that he, has, he does not care about the defensive side of the ball at all. And anything that happens on the defense is all Greg Williams, which Greg Williams is a hell of a coach. But Adam Gase still, as a head coach, has some say in what goes on over there because he's supposed to be the leader of the team. He's not a good leader. I don't think players respect him. You go back to his days in Miami and the tail end of his uh, career there, players weren't respecting him. And that's why he was fired when he was. When I saw uh, the Jets were hiring Adam Gase, first I wanted Matt Rule, the guy the Panthers got. And uh, we didn't get him because they were uh, working out a contract and going through everything with Matt Rule. And the general manager at the time wanted to tell Rule who to hire as his coordinators, and Rule backed out. He said, no, I want to be able to pick my coaches. He comes from the Bill Parcells era where you got to be able to work with who you're comfortable with. You don't let people make decisions for you. I completely respect that. So then it came down to Mike McCarthy and Adam Gase. I was not a big fan of McCarthy. I was not a big fan of Gase. So I saw it as a lose-lose either way. And it was just kind of hoping that I was wrong. I think McCarthy will do well in Dallas this year because he took the year off, and that's what I thought Gay should have done to begin with, was take the year off, let him readjust, not jump right back into the coaching game again. And Todd Bowles, I thought he, he was a rookie coach. He made mistakes. Uh, he didn't go for it on fourth down at times that I believe he should have. He didn't use his timeouts right. But he was still, he was still learning. And I think he got more blame than he should have. The general manager, Mike McCagnan, was incompetent. He did not draft very well. Uh, I believe his 2015 draft class is all gone. His, most of his 15, his 17, like the, his draft classes were not good. He would overspend on players. Tremaine Johnson, like I said earlier, he overspent on Muhammad Wilkerson. 
You overspent on Darrell Revis the second time. And yet, he got to stay around for another few months. The Jets should have just clean slate. When they fired Todd Bowles, they should have just fired Mike McCagnin, too. Not wait two or three weeks after the draft to fire McCagnin. And then they should have just done a full coaching and general manager search from there instead of McCagnin leading the search and him trying to find a guy that will make that will help him keep his job. Because that's what it seems like. Is he seems like, The hire seemed like a safe bet for McCagnin. I was like, okay, well, if he fails, then I guess we'll both fail, but he's already done this before and it's a safer bet instead of taking a chance on a rookie coach. And that ended up backfiring in a few months. It's just a whole mess and a lot of dysfunction from this organization. And just uh, fans are just fed up with that. Gase is good, bad, and he should have he should have been gone last season, in my opinion. <laughs> he won those. He went six and two at the tail end of his uh, season, and that's what the just beat writers and the owners were feeding off of. So it's just very disappointing that that's what we have leading our team right now, and. I feel awful for Sam Donald that he has to go through all this crap right now and just act like that Gase is a great head coach when we as fans can clearly see he's not. So, Jamal Adams, one of the best safeties in the NFL. I think he's right up there with the Honey Badger, right up there with Derwin James, right up there with Earl Thomas. He's a great player, and he's lived up so far up to the sixth overall pick, the spot that he was taken. Now, from what I've been reading... There were conversations about, you know, the general manager making it clear that they were not going to trade him. There were maybe some potential extension talks. And then sur- then reports surfaced that he was all- kind of on the trading block. And that kind of ticked Jamal Adams off a little bit. And he said that he wants to be traded. So he's lifted off a bunch of teams that he would like to go to. And honestly, it's kind of a mess in a sense that, okay, you know, you probably don't want to make that promise to Jamal Adams that you're not going to trade him because – if a team gives me a king's ransom for a player like Jamal Adams, I know he's great, but he's a safety. So, and you're not winning right now. You know, it's not like you're in win now mode. So you could potentially, you know, look to move on from Jamal Adams and maybe build up the offensive line. Maybe get Sam Darnold some more weapons. So that's just my mentality. It was a mess from the start. Now, personally, I would consider actually trading Jamal Adams because, for one, he's not happy right now, and you're losing right now with them. So I mean, you could say he's a great player, but I think that offensive lines, defensive lines, I'm talking edge rushers, you know, pass rushers, and wide receivers, you know, your weapons, that's what wins in the NFL outside of quarterback play. So if I'm the Jets, I'd honestly look to trade Jamal Adams for all those reasons. And we'll get to some teams that, you know, we think are good for Jamal Adams if he was to be traded, you know, what teams make sense. But just give me your thoughts on the whole Jamal Adams situation as a Jets fan. Well, it started off at the trade deadline last year when uh, the new general manager came from the Eagles. He came from the Ravens, who, and and the Ravens, you're taught, if someone calls about a player, you listen. That does not mean you're interested in trading them, but it means you listen. You listen to everybody on your roster, because if you can get a King's Ransom, then, I mean, it's hard to turn down. Like you said. And then Jamal Adams saw the rumors about uh, him possibly being traded the Cowboys, and that kind of takes him off. Because he was told 
he wasn't going to be traded and that his job was safe. And he felt the team was going behind his back trying to trade him. From my understanding, that's not really the case. It was just the general manager doing his job. And then this offseason came around. The Jets told Jamal Adams camp that we can start talking contract negotiations after the uh, combine. His contract, he's got two more years left on his contract, plus a franchise tag. The Jets are in no rush to get a contract done with him at this point, right? So the Jets don't see a rush, but they don't mind starting the contract negotiation. And then a giant pandemic hit. And that kind of, that stopped negotiation, that stopped any talks from happening. And there's so many question marks about the league this year. If the league plays with no fans, they lose three billion dollars, I think I read, in revenue. If that's the case, the salary cap's gonna go down like 20 to 30 million per team. If, that, if the salary cap goes down, the Jets will be in the hole. They'll have negative salary cap. So the Jets don't want to make a move, commit to someone long-term right now, if they don't know what's going to happen in the future. Also, you have to look at his uh, draft class, too. He was drafted in 2017, in the first round, right? So look at who in his draft class, in that first round, has signed a new deal already. Miles Garrett is still waiting on a new contract. Deshaun Watson is still waiting on a new contract. Patrick Mahomes is still waiting on a new contract. Christian McCaffrey got his. He got a new contract, and that's great for him. And that's what Jamal Adams is running off of, is that McCaffrey got. But no one else in his draft class in that first round, Marshawn Lattimore, hasn't gotten it. There's a lot of players right now who still are waiting on their next contract but teams, this is not just the Jets that are worried about this. It's all 30, mostly all 32 teams that are worried about what's going to happen with the salary cap, what's going to happen with this season, and how that going to impact what we can pay our players. And Jamal, rightfully so, wants to get paid. He is the best player on the Jets defense, arguably on the team. He has been there. He has played lights out. But... What the reports I'm reading kind of make me a little furious. It's pretty much, all right, Jets, you pay me $20 million or you make me the highest paid player on the defense, which CJ Mosley signed a huge contract last year for about $17.5 million per year. You want, the Jets want to make Jamal the highest paid safety, which right now that would be anything more than $15 million a year. Jamal, from the reports I've seen is either the Jets pay me a crap ton of money now or trade me to a winning team and I'll wait out the contract. I'll wait for an extension. I don't really like that from a fan standpoint. So saying pay me or trade me to a team that's on my list. That And if the Jets don't trade you, how do you go into the locker room this year? And you're supposed to be the team leader. you got to see on your chest for a reason. How are you supposed to go into the locker room this year and be like, hey guys, sorry, I uh, wanted to be traded to a better team, but I'm not, or I haven't been, so I'm here. The, the locker room's going to be funny. Like, it's not going to be funny, but I don't 
the chemistry is not going to be right, I don't think. It, it's just a huge mess right now. I think Jamal Adams is blowing it out of proportion. And it's like every other day or so, he's putting something on Instagram about maybe it's time to move on. Well, we Jets fans have loved and adored him. He's been a fan favorite. And now he's pulling this crap. And there's a lot of fans that are turning against him right now. Now, if he resigns and he starts and he plays well again, that might go away. But the fact that he put out a list of teams, he had already figured out the seven or eight teams he would welcome a trade for. Like, do you think the Jets really care about who you want to be traded to? If, if the Jets trade you, it's going to be because they got the best package from trade package from that team. It's just a huge mess, and I can't, I can't see it ending very well either. I think it ends in a trade at some point. The Jets aren't going to be, uh, they're not going to move fast on this. They, they have no reason to. Like I said, the Jets have all the control right now. They have all the leverage. Jamal is trying to gain some leverage, it seems like, by throwing temper tantrums on Instagram or Twitter. And trying to just deteriorate, deteriorate the relationship between him and the Jets even more. That's the only leverage he's really gaining. Because if he misses training camp, if he misses games, he loses money. So what's the... If he wants a crap... Like the Le'Veon Bell situation with the Steelers a few years ago. A lot of people don't think he's really won that situation. I really don't either. Because even in the end... He still lost a crap ton of money by not playing. If Jamal Adams misses a season or misses training camp, he's going to miss a crap ton of money by not being there. So I do see a trade happening. I just don't see it happening yet. Yeah, I would honestly trade Jamal Adams for all the reasons I mentioned. And I agree with a lot of things that you said right there. Now let's get into some teams that potentially could look to get Jamal Adams. Now... I listed three teams I think are the best fit for Jamal Adams. I took into account their the draft capital that they will have to offer. Can they afford him financially? And just overall, you know, the football side of things. Do they need an impact player like Jamal Adams? I think the Cowboys could use Jamal Adams. But financially, I don't think it works because Dak Prescott has not been paid yet. And the Cowboys could honestly become the new Rams if they pay all these players. You know, you better win this year, Dallas. So if I'm Dallas... I wouldn't trade for Jamal Adams. I look at the Texans. I think that that would be an excellent fit. But Bill Bryan, he's used up all his draft picks virtually. So I don't think that the Jets are going to budge because I don't think that the Texans have the draft capital. The Eagles, after this year, their cap situation is a mess. So while it would be a good fit, and I could see Philadelphia making this move, if I'm their general manager, I'm kind of hesitant to make that move. So I look at three teams. Seattle. Kansas City, and Tampa Bay. Seattle's the perfect fit because they need a player like Jamal Adams. Their defense is good, but they don't have a stud player like Jamal Adams on their team. He'd instantly probably be arguably their best defensive player. And we saw in the playoffs, you know, in the first half, they couldn't stop Aaron Rodgers. You know, Russell Wilson was great in that second half, but that game was lost because the defense kind of let Seattle down. So I think Jamal Adams would be a great fit for them. I think the Tampa Bay... I think that the Kansas City Chiefs probably are up next because, see, Patrick Mahomes is the best player in football, in my opinion. And he's going to want a crap ton of money 
when he gets his opportunity. Now, will he take a discount? I don't know. You know, I think that he's the type of quarterback that, that would do it. You know, I like, I think Patrick Mahomes is a good guy, but in reality, when you're paying a quarterback all that money, you can't, you know, re-sign all these players. So why not stack up right now and get an impact player like Jamal Adams and re-sign him and boom, you got the Honey Badger and Jamal Adams. Excellent safety tandem. I look at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay has the financial stability. They've got the draft picks. And they're in win-now mode right now with Tom Brady. Why not get an extra piece in that secondary to help out that defense? Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean are talented, but they just need that one more impactful player, I would say. And I think that Jamal Adams would be happy to go to Tampa Bay. He could compete for a Super Bowl title potentially this year. And I like the fit. So what are three teams that you think are the best fit for Jamal Adams? You may have the same teams as me. You can build off that. What are your thoughts? Well, I like the Tampa Bay for more than just winning now. Who is the defensive coordinator in Tampa Bay? Todd Bowles. Exactly. Todd Bowles coached Jamal Adams his first two two years in the league. And Jamal Adams has always praised Todd Bowles. Absolutely loves the guy. So I could definitely see a fit there. Todd Bowles already knows how to use him. And I could definitely see that working out well. I don't know the Buccaneers cap situation at the top of my head, but they, I'm sure they uh, have the uh, draft capital. But the Jets aren't just going to look for capital. They're going to look possibly for an impactful player, too. Can they get a wide receiver? Can they get a corner? Can they get something, another already proven player in return? Seattle is another one I've seen, too. And I like that one as well. Seattle Seahawks were at their best when they had a really good secondary. Jamal Adams could help make that secondary so much more better. Is that uh, that didn't sound like good English in my head? Anyway, no, that, that was good, man. Um, that was good. You're doing good. So much more better. It doesn't sound right, but anyway, that Seahawks defense would be a lot better with Jamal Adams. It he could almost be like the Earl Thomas for them. Their, their corners are pretty solid right now. I really like Griffin. I really. Uh, the Seahawks could trade Marquise Blair and a first or something like that in a package. Um, the Eagles make sense to me too because of the general manager that the Jets have. The Jets came from the Eagles, so they already have that relationship already built in together. Uh, Joe Douglas was the right-hand man to Howie Roseman. So, if, uh, Roseman is willing to throw in cornerback Razul Douglas and a draft pick or something else too for Jamal Adams. I'm sure Douglas would listen. But also, like I mentioned earlier, the cap situation is not, it, if players, or sorry, if fans aren't going to be in the stands this year, the cap situation is going to be bad for all 32 teams. So will teams be able to afford what Jamal is asking for? The fifth between fifteen and twenty million dollar per year range for a safety. I get, and also I get he's a safety, but he's more than just your box safety. He cov his coverage on tight ends is very good. He can sack. He's he is the just best best edge rusher as a safety. So he's a very impactful player. He deserves to be the best or highest paid safety. The twenty million a year that I've seen that. He wants him to jet, I think is a little outrageous, but 
I could see the Buccaneers, the Seahawks, or the Eagles because of relationships that have already been built, and also for the Seahawks, the last time they were really, really good and going to the Super Bowl was when they had impactful safeties. Now, we're going to shift to the 2017 draft. I know I didn't really talk about this topic with you, but I think you could probably answer this a little bit right here. So, in that 2017 draft, I felt the Cleveland Browns should have taken Deshaun Watson number one overall. Now, looking back, you probably take Patrick Mahomes number one overall. I know that Miles Garrett is great, but I said, nope, Deshaun Watson, he's that guy. And obviously, you probably would like to have Patrick Mahomes over Watson. I know that the gap's not as wide as people. In my opinion, the gap's not that wide. I think Deshaun Watson is an elite quarterback. Mahomes is the best player in football, but, you know, I think that Watson's kind of been held back by his organization a little bit. Either way, I think when you look back, Cleveland kind of got it wrong. And a lot of teams passed on Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, and the Chicago Bears, they traded for Trubisky. (laughs) They traded for Trubisky, which is mind-boggling to me. And as a Packers fan, I'm happy. But when we look at the Jets, you're a Jets fan. And so, Jamal Adams, obviously, one of the best safeties in the NFL. You can make the argument. He's the best overall safety in the NFL. You know, there's definitely arguments to be made right there. He's lived up to the sixth overall pick, but he's a safety. So, when I look back, I look at the Jets, and I think, why didn't you take Deshaun Watson? And I was, I was, I didn't think that Mahomes would become this great, but I saw a guy that was at least going to be a legit quarterback. I thought that he was a franchise quarterback. I expected him to be a little more turnover prone when he was, you know, once he got his feet wet in the NFL. But he's honestly become sort of like Aaron Rodgers, you know, where he can bond the ball down the field and he takes care of the football too. So looking back at the time, did you think Jamal Adams was the right pick? And looking back right now, obviously you probably would think that Deshaun Watson would be your guy. So, you know, did you want Jamal Adams when he was on the board at the time? What were your thoughts on that? So I really thought. Jamal Adams was the second best safety or second best player in the draft that year. It was Miles Garrett and Jamal Adams, in my opinion, were the top two. Solomon Thomas was kind of up there. He's kind of busted. Corey Davis was a very interesting prospect. And so when he fell to six, I was re- I was in Philadelphia for the draft that year. I remember that. I was uh, I have some uh, family that lives out there, so we went there for uh, one of my really good friend's birthdays. He's not really family, but we consider them family. Uh, for one of his birthdays, we went out there. We uh, went to the draft, and I remember Jamal Adams was still on the board at six. I thought the Titans were going to take him. I was uh, starting to become a little bummed about it. And then they took Corey Davis. I'm like, Jamal Adams is still on the board. Let's go. And then we took him, and I jumped. I cheered. It was really exciting because I saw his college tape, and I saw the impact he had and the type of player he was, and I just loved it. Now, looking back, Deshaun Watson might have been a better player. I, Deshaun Watson was my number one quarterback in that draft. I, he played in the same conference as Mitchell Trubisky. They both played in the ACC. They played the same opponents, and Deshaun Watson made it to, he won a national championship, but yet Mitchell Trubisky still went before him. Mind boggles me. But I remember watching that national championship game against Clemson. And I was watching it. And I realized this guy was legit. And then he threw that game winner to Hunter Renfro with, like, 
too because I, I was cheering for Clemson. I can't stand Alabama. And I at that moment, I really wanted Deshaun Watson. And then uh, I started reading more and thinking, you know what, maybe we don't need a quarterback that year. I don't know what I was thinking. We took Christian Hackenberg. But at the time, I loved, absolutely loved Jamal Adams. I still do, even though all this crap that's going on right now with Jamal Adams, if that gets figured out, I'll love the pick even more. But like you said, in hindsight, I'm sure we would have rather Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes. I wasn't that high on Patrick Mahomes. I don't remember why, but I do remember thinking, I think it was the whole Big 12 mantra. Like, Big 12 quarterbacks were not seen very well as uh, quarterback prospects. And that was like when he was, I believe, one of the first quarterback prospects to come out of the Big 12 and really show, like, oh, wow, we should probably start watching these quarterbacks and thinking them as future franchise quarterbacks better. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought that Mahomes had some things to work on. I thought that Kansas City was a perfect fit. And, well, look, it's the perfect fit. Perfect fit, I should say. Now, in hindsight, yes, you probably would look to get Deshaun Watson. But at the same time, you guys drafted a quarterback the very, the entoying uh, it was was the Baker Mayfield draft 2018? Yeah, 2018. Yes. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, at, when you look back on things, you probably would like to have Watson because Watson's a better player than Baker, Rosen. I think he's actually better than Lamar Jackson, not by a lot, but just a little bit. So, Watson was an even better quarterback than all the quarterbacks taken the year after him. So, I mean, you probably would look to go get him, but at the same time, you would hope that, okay, we got Jamal Adams, franchise changer for our defense, you know, Baker or Darno can be the franchise changer for our offense next year. So it's kind of unfortunate. You know, I kind of like to do these throwbacks and say, hey, who should we have drafted? But in hindsight, I would have taken Deshaun Watson if I was a Jets fan. I know Jamal Adams is great. And right now, he's kind of proved me right because of this whole trade situation. I didn't expect that to happen. I didn't expect that to happen. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just agreeing with you. Yeah, yeah. So fortunately, Jets missed out on Watson. Hopefully, Darnold pans out. Only time will tell, though, I should say. Let's get absolutely. to the Jets free. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get to the Jets free agency a little bit right here. Not a whole lot of splashy moves. Brashad Perryman, he's a solid target for Darnold. He provides some speed. I don't think he's as good as Robbie Anderson. You know, Robbie Anderson obviously leaves. That's probably the biggest loss for your team. So, you know, whatever. Frank Gore, he's a million years old, a million years old, but he's still productive. The offensive line, I mean, you brought in some players, you know, Connor McGovern, J- George Fant, Alex Lewis, Greg Roten. I mean, not a whole lot of big names, but at least you're trying to maybe improve the depth and maybe get some stars in there. I mean, it was. I want to get to the draft in a little bit. We'll talk about the draft once you get done talking about these free agents. But what are your thoughts on the Jets free agency? I thought it was a very solid free agent class. Or, yeah, free agent class. It was uh, the general manager's first free agency. I thought he did very well. He didn't make the big splashy moves, but he didn't need to. He didn't need to overpay for players. The offensive line, Alex Lewis, he re-signed. Uh, Connor McGovern, the Grand Van Roten one was interesting. George Bant. It was, he's definitely trying to make an upgrade on the offensive line. He's about to do that. He made a promise to Sam Darnold's parents that he would do whatever he could to protect his, their son. And he has done 
whatever he could. Right now it's come down now it's gonna be up to coaching. But he's also doing a lot of like one year type deals. Like George Pant's deal is a three year contract, but it's essentially a one year deal. Like the all the guaranteed money is in the first year and then they have easy outs of the contract the next two. So the way he worked for agency, the contracts he got, they uh upgraded the cornerback position in my opinion with Pierre Desir, the corner from Indianapolis. They got CJ Mosley's right hand man from Baltimore, Patrick Owasser. Oh. So something like that. Yeah, something like something that. Something like that. So they made upgrades. The Brashad Perriman swap for Robbie Anderson is the biggest negative because Brashad Perriman could be a great wide receiver. But Robbie Anderson already had the relationship with Darnold. And when you have that wide receiver quarterback relationship, I, that's one of the more important aspects of an offense. You have to have that relationship with each other. And especially this year with the pandemic and not being able to go work out. You don't have the OTAs or the mini camps. You don't have all this time to work with each other and try to develop that. You got to go into training camp and get it now. I think that's going to be a problem. But I do like how they didn't have to overpay. The past few years, it seemed like the Jets would overpay for players because they couldn't get good players by giving a market value. The Jets just aren't good enough to do that. That's why they had to overpay for C.J. Mosley. They had to overpay for Tremaine Johnson in the past. They had to overpay for Le'Veon Bell. This year, the new general manager, he's not gonna, he has a price. And this is what he thinks you're worth. And if uh, you want more than that, just say goodbye. If I had to grade this track or this free agency class, I'd probably give it about a C plus, B, somewhere in that range. Because it wasn't outstanding by any means, but you filled some holes. You didn't overpay for players, but there's still question marks on the team. Like, did how much did the team really improve? Yeah, yeah, you, that, that's definitely very fair. I like the fact you mentioned about how you didn't really overpay for players. I, I agree with that. Now let's get to the Jets' draft. I felt the Jets had a very, very solid draft. and In, in fact, I felt it was the most underrated draft out of all the teams in the 2020 you know, draft, you know, that got players. Makai Becton, I felt he's a stud. You know, there are some question marks, but I do believe that he's going to be at least a starter for the Jets, and you desperately need to improve the offensive line. I specifically made an episode saying, hey, New York Jets, I know Jerry Judy's going to be there. I know CeeDee Lamb's going to be there in the first round, but make the boring pick. Get the offensive line help for Sam Darnold. Boom, got Makai Becton. Then in the second round, I was surprised that Denzel Mims fell that far. Maybe not surprised, because I kind of got, got a sense that NFL scouts were lower on Denzel Mims than I was. I had him as a late first round first rounder. He goes late in the second. That's an absolute steal, in my opinion. And a guy that I had recently on the show, Brett Coleman, he he's a very good YouTuber slash football analyst. He's got over 200 um, subscribers on YouTube. He's great with the film work and stuff like that and evaluating players, he compares Denzel Mims to DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know if I agree with that, but hey, there's that's something right there. Ashton Davis, he kind of fell because of 
teams not being able to medically recheck him due to this pandemic. He's a very solid player. Not to mention Bryce Hall in the fifth round. Hey, I'll take that any day of the week. And not to mention, I didn't even get to some other players that the Jets drafted that I feel good about. So I think the Jets got around four to five legit starters in this year's draft. What are your thoughts on the Jets draft? I loved it. It was the general manager's first draft, and he didn't reach for a lot of players. He maneuvered the board very well, and he had a good understanding of the draft board, too. When the first round came around, I, I figured we were going to go offensive linemen unless all the tackles were gone. By the time the Jets took it or picked out 11, then we'd probably take a Jerry Judy or C.D. Lamp. And when the Cardinals took... Uh, who did they take? Isaiah Simmons. When they took Simmons, that was a big relief for me. Because I'm like, all right, fine. We're, we are going to get, because the Browns figured they were going to take an offensive tackle at 10. So that leave us with probably about, well, that leave us with two starter tackles with um, Tristan Wirfs and Mekhi Be Becton. I was a little higher on Wirfs than I was Becton, but hey. Offensive tackle, I'll take it. I don't care who it is right now. All four of those guys were starters, or instant starters in this league. Andrew Thomas, Jedrick Wills, who was my number one tackle, and Mekhi Becton, Tristan Works. When the Cardinals took Simmons, that big relief was there, or lifted. And the Jets were probably going to have to trade up, too. Uh, they, were, they had it still worked out with the Jaguars, from my understanding, to jump Cleveland if the Cardinals took a tackle. But then the Cardinals didn't take a tackle and there was no need to trade. They, uh, Cleveland took Jedrick Wills and then we took Mekhi Beckett, who is a mountain of a man. Huge, strong, athletic guy. For he, that, no man should be able to move as elusive and quick as he does if they're that size. 6'7", I don't know the weight on my on my head. He's a massive guy that can move. He, he's he's got a lot of potential. Absolutely. Go to the second round. The Jets were sitting there with their original second round pick. Denzel Mims was on the board, and a lot of Jets fans, including myself, were like, "All right, we'll just take Denzel Mims and we'll be fine." And then they traded down, and we're like, "What are you doing? You have the you have the wide receiver there. Why you why aren't you taking him?" And then uh, the Jets traded down with the Seahawks. And Denzel Mims was still on the board when they took. When they finally got <laughs> with the Seahawks pick that they traded it down to, Denzel Mims was still there. So they got Denzel Mims and another pick or two with that second-round draft pick. I thought that was an outstanding, risky move by Joe Douglas. But also, that proves his understanding of the draft board and being able to move, maneuver around it. I like the Ashton Davis pick. And actually, if Jamal Adams gets traded, he'll, he'll have a starter. He'll be a starter more than likely. Um, we took another offensive guard out of Charlotte, who he was an offensive tackle, but he projects as a guard. And he moved Clemson guy. I don't know his name at the top of my head. But I watched his, uh, some of his tape against Clemson, and he moved those Clemson defensive lineman. They took a quarterback out of FIU, James Morgan, in the fourth round. I thought that was a little early to take a backup quarterback, a project or because he's not going to be the backup immediately. We don't want another Luke Falk situation if Sam Darnold develops mono again. 
without Mono again, but just in case he goes down, we don't want Luke's fault type thing happening again where we can't even put points on the board. So I thought that pick was a bit of a reach. And then they took Bryce Hall. When he He's going to be a starter eventually, as long as he can stay healthy, because he is a very talented corner. And then they took the best punter in the draft, Brandon Mann, who is accurate and he can bomb an 80-yard punt if need be. And with their last pick in the sixth round, they traded that for Quincy Wilson with the Colts, who was taken in the second round two years ago. So with their sixth pick, they got a second-round talent. I was very impressed with this draft class and very happy with it, especially after seeing some of these draft classes in the past where these players aren't even on the team anymore. So I was very refreshed and satisfied with Joe Douglas's first draft class Yeah, yeah, I think that it was a great draft, no doubt. Let me shift to this. Let's get to the Jets' record prediction for this year. We got two more topics. So, right here, I'm looking at the Jets' schedule. I do think that they're better than the record I'm going to give them. By the way, for for those of you that do not know on the show, starting July 1st, I will give record predictions for all 32 NFL teams, so, so be sure to tune in for that. But, yeah, you get a little bit of a sneak peek for how I'm thinking about the Jets right here. And I think the Jets are, if you just look at the town on their team, they're probably about a seven or six, six, anywhere from six to eight wins is realistic based on what happened last year. The only problem is, like you mentioned earlier, this schedule is not doing the Jets any favors. So as a result, I have the Jets only winning five games. Now I'm going to go through the game by, I'm going to go game by game at Buffalo. That's a loss. I think they're just a better team. It's on the road. 49ers, I mean, you're, you're hoping and praying that Makai Becton can block Nick Boza. I mean, he's talented, but good luck. I have the, I have the 49ers winning that game. At Indy, just a more well-rounded team than the Jets. Have you losing that game? I'm very high on Denver, and I think that even though you're at home, you're going to lose that game. Now, versus Arizona, I'm going to give you the win. I don't think you're going to start out, start out 0-5. I do think the Cardinals are a dark horse playoff team, but they're still young. They're about a piece or two away from me being really comfortable saying that. So I do beating the Cardinals. You very well could be the Chargers. I'm not sold on the Chargers this year, but it's on the road. I know there's not going to be very many fans, but when we line up the rosters, the Chargers, they got a better roster, have that as a loss. Buffalo at home. I know, I know you get them at home, but I'm high on Buffalo this year. I made an episode a couple days ago saying Buffalo's a dark horse Super Bowl contender. They're just a better team. I'd be winning that game at Kansas City. Let's not talk about that. That's a loss. Patriots, I have that as a win. I'm not too sold on the Patriots this year. I think you, you come off, off a three game losing streak. You probably would have gotten blown out by the Chiefs. Usually teams that get blown out, you know, tremendously. You know, the one week tend to respond the next week. So Patriots is a win. At Miami, that's a loss. But I'd be splitting with them after the bye week and win that game. Vegas at home. I know you beat them last year. But I think Vegas made a lot of, you know, moves to improve their offense this year. I think, I think they'll just outscore you. So that's a loss. At Seattle, Russell Wilson is the best player in football, not named Mahomes. He'll win that game. Then at Rams and Browns at home, I think that's two straight wins. Then at the Patriots, I think that's a loss. So I've only got five wins. I, I don't want to be a Jets hater right here, but I just don't see it. What are your thoughts on the schedule? 
like I said earlier, it's a brutal schedule. I think the Jets have the have better talent than some people realize. Look, I mentioned earlier they had a top ten defense last year, but they didn't even have CJ. They had CJ Mosley for three quarters healthy last year. That's going to be a tremendous addition to this team. If Le'Veon Bell plays better, that will be huge. And then the corners on the outside, I think they'll be better than they were last year. I mean, they have to be. The offensive line will be better. So the team, I think, has a talent to potentially be a wild card type team. But the schedule doesn't help them at all. I don't think they win more than six games this year. Because they just play a tough schedule. They play the AFC West and the NFC West. The NFC West, well, the NFC West, you said the Cardinals are a dark horse playoff team, but they also had the Seahawks, the 49ers, and the Rams in that division, who have three of the, yeah, those three teams have made it to the Super Bowl in the last few years. So that's a really tough division. They're all potential playoff caliber teams. And then the AFC West, you have the Chiefs. You have the Broncos, who I agree with you, they're up, they're wild card type team. They're up and coming. I like Drew Locke. And then they got Jerry Judy, who that, that's going to be a beautiful to watch in Mile High this year. The Chargers, I don't I don't really, uh, I, I gotta see what Justin Herbert is this season to really know how I feel about the Chargers, but I'm not too high on them either. And then the Raiders, they, they gotta be better this year than they were last year. So th- those two divisions, having to play those alone will be rough. Sam Darnold has not beaten Baker Mayfield yet. He's 0-1 against... Wow, he didn't play... I forgot he didn't play. That was his uh, game after Mono this year that he didn't play. The Browns kind of have, have had Pep play well versus the Jets, is what you're saying. Yep. And then, uh, well, Baker Mayfield has played well against the Jets. And then... Yeah, it's just a, it's a rough schedule. And a lot of those teams got better. I don't really see a team that really got progressively worse. The Browns got better by making it or getting a new coach. And then their draft class, their free agency moves. The Browns should be contending for a wild card spot this year. Again, tough division, but they should be in that running this year. So I don't see any more than six wins, which... I hate to say because, you know, you always want 16-0, Super Bowl. But I just don't see it. And then I see after at the end of the year, Gates being fired, and then Darnold getting his third uh, offensive playbook in his four years, three, four years now. It's pretty crazy, I would say. Yeah, I think that, honestly, the Jets, they could be better. You know, there are some games that you guys could upset some teams. Like, I, I have you losing to the Raiders. You get the Raiders at home, you could win that game. There's some other games like that. But, yeah, I, I just don't see it. And I think that the division, honestly, has gotten a lot better. And I didn't even mention about how Adam Gase is going to be vastly outcoached in his division games. I look at Brian Flores, one of the best young coaches in the NFL. I look at Bill Belichick, enough said. I look at what's the, Sean McDermott. Yeah, Sean McDermott. He's an excellent head coach. So, I don't have a lot of hope for the Jets this year. I think that not this year, but next year is where you look to hopefully maybe get some improvement, maybe a new coach for Darno that actually knows what he's doing. So, yeah, that's how I feel about the Jets. That's all the Jets topics we have. We're going to get to one final topic, but before we get to that topic, who's the one X factor for the Jets this year, in your opinion, that needs to really step up 
if this team wants to really compete. I'd probably say it's Denzel Mims. You know, he's going to be the go-to guy for Sam Darnold. He can't become a bust or else that's going to really set this offense back because outside of maybe a tight end or two that Darnold has, maybe Perryman makes some catches, Darnold just doesn't have weapons. So I would say it's Denzel Mims. What do you think? Well, Chris Herndon, I think, is going to be the X factor. Him and Darnold had a great connection uh, their rookie season. They're, uh, they played really well together. Last season, there was a lot of hope for those two. The preseason game showed that Darnold was going to rely a lot on Herndon. And then he got hurt and didn't play this year. And I, uh, the tight end position played all right this year compared to previous seasons, or past, last season compared to previous seasons. I think it's down to Chris Herndon. Him and Darnold's relationship will be huge. Darnold doesn't have a lot of uh, the same players he's had his rookie season. With Robbie Anderson gone, Quincy Nunwa, he's always hurt. So you have to rely on a guy that you already know, especially when you don't have the OTAs and the mini camps they usually do this season because of the pandemic. So if, him, if Chris Herndon and Sam Darnold's relationship uh, from previous seasons helps, that's going to be a huge X factor for them because Chris Herndon is a heck of a talent. I watched like I watched some highlights and uh, recently because I mean there's nothing else to really do right now with no sports on. And Chris Herndon's catch against the Packers, his uh, game against the Colts, his their his rookie season was phenomenal, and he looked like an up and coming tight end who's going to be a real star in this league. But that was a big issue with him in college was he couldn't stay healthy. If he can stay healthy, that's going to be the X factor for this Jets team. Now, I actually thought about another you know, player that I, I wanted to mention a little bit. I would say on the defensive side of the football, it's got to be Quentin Williams. You know, I thought that he was by far actually the best player in that draft. I was very high on Kyler Murray. I was very high on Nick Boza. I thought that Haskins was going to be great. I think that he's going to turn around this year. You know, we'll see about that. But, yeah, there was a lot of great players. i say Quentin Williams was the best defensive tackle and just overall the best player in that draft. And there was a lot of good players. And he kind of underwhelmed me this past year. So do you think that Quentin Williams is the X factor on the defense? I absolutely do. He should. There was a lot of high hopes for Quentin Williams being the number three overall pick. But also, there was a lot of Jets fans, including myself, who thought we should have traded down a few spots and then drafted Josh Allen, the linebacker or edge rusher that the Jaguars took. Because we, we have had an edge rushing problem for the last decade and a half. We haven't had a good edge rusher. We've had solid guys, but nothing really great. So we wanted, a lot of the fans wanted Josh Allen with the draft pick last year. And then we took Quinn and Williams, and we were sold on the fact that he was potentially the best overall player in the draft after Nick Bosa, and he could be the next Aaron Donald. And he underwhelmed. Granted, he was a rookie, but still, what we were expecting, he never showed. He never showed it. So he's got to be a lot better this year. So I will agree that he's an expected after defense. Yep. That wraps up all of our Jets talk right there. We're going to get to one final topic. I always kind of like to, you know, bring in an extra little topic when we talk about these, you know, teams. So, most underrated team in 2020, in my opinion, I think it's the Washington Redskins. I really do. And the reason why I think they're the most underrated is because a lot of people think this team is absolute 
garbage. And I just don't see it. I don't understand the pushback. I know Giants fans are going to be mad at me for making this video. I know people are going to say, it's the Redskins. They're not that good. And I disagree. I don't understand the pushback. Las Vegas, you know, the Vegas odds has the Redskins finishing as potentially the second worst team in the NFL by the Jaguars. And I just totally disagree. Ra Rivera, I believe, is going to turn this team around. He's a great head coach. He's been to a Super Bowl in the past. And when he got to Carolina, he immediately sparked that team. They were, they were a 6-10 and 10 team this, you know, when he was in Carolina, when he first got there his first season. And I do think the Redskins actually can, you know, double their win total from this past, from this past year. You know, I thought, I felt it was a very rough season, but I think this team is talented enough to win six or seven, maybe eight games. Now, their schedule is very tough, so I'm not going to go as far as saying they're going to win eight games, but I'm more around the six or seven win range. I really am. And, and, and listen, Jack Del Rio is a great addition to this team. He's going to be the defensive coordinator. He's turned around a lot of great defenses. He's an excellent defensive mind, and he will get the most out of those four first-rounders on the defensive line, in my opinion. And Chase Young, I mean, Redskins fans, you had a rough season, but you got Chase Young as a result. This guy is a generational talent at the pass rushing position. I felt he would, I think that he's an even better prospect than Nick Boza was. And I even made a video comparing him to Lawrence Taylor in the past. I think that he's going to have that big of an impact. He has 21 tackles for a loss, 16 and a half sacks, his final season at Ohio State. He's just everything you look for in an edge rusher. He's going to change that defense, I do believe. And like I said, you got three of their first rounders on the defensive line to go with them. You added Kendall Fuller to the secondary. Ronald Darby's not bad. He was added as well. He's had his struggles in Philadelphia, but he's still a solid player. Fabian Morozo, an okay player. Their linebackers are better than people realize, in my opinion. Not to mention, you got three really good running backs with Darius Geis. Hopefully, he stays healthy, but when he's on the field, he's very good. Adrian Peterson is still a starting running back. And Antonio Gibson, he can be the Paris Campbell of that offense. I, I, I referenced Paris Campbell because when Dwayne Haskins was at, was at Ohio State, Paris Campbell was more of your H-back, the guy that you could throw the ball to out of the backfield. He can get vertical. He's just overall a great, versatile offensive player that Haskins is really going to like. And, and listen... I think the Redskins quietly have done a good job of surrounding Dwayne Haskins with some solid weapons. Terry McLaurin, I believe he has all the talent in the world. Steven Sims, he got more playing time at the end of the year. He's a big play threat. He has 4-3 speed. Kelvin Harmon, he was very talented. He was a very talented player out of NC State. He played better at the end of the season. Antonio Gandy-Golden. He's a very solid player out of Liberty. So Haskins has some pass catchers to work with. Now, I do worry about the offensive line, but I think the offensive line will be a little bit better. Hopefully, Sadiq Charles pans out. And listen, I know Dwayne Haskins had a bad rookie season. You know, I thought that he was arguably one of the best quarterbacks in that draft, you know, in the 2019 draft class. But I still believe in Dwayne Haskins. Post-Jay Gruden, when Jay Gruden got that building, because Jay Gruden didn't want him. He threw seven touchdowns, only three interceptions. The final three games of the season, five touchdowns, one interception. The second best pass rating in the NFL behind Drew Brees. All Dwayne Haskins really has to do is just be a guy that doesn't screw things up. Just don't turn the ball over. Make the excellent throws you made at Ohio State. And I believe this Redskins team can be great. And I do believe Dwayne Haskins has the arm talent, the accuracy, the swagger. He has all the physical tools to turn this team around. He's got the arm talent. I see a top 10 quarterback when he pans out. So that's my most underrated team in in football this upcoming season, simply because people think this Redskins team is garbage, and I totally disagree. Who's your most underrated team? 
first of all, I do agree that Redskins are definitely an underrated team. I remember uh, you and I both liking the Ron Rivera hire. Ron Rivera hire when it happened. We were both very high on it. I think Dwayne has it really comes down to Dwayne Haskins for them and how much he improved. I think he will improve this season, and he's got the talent around him. My underrated team is the Indianapolis Colts. A lot of I, there's a lot of talk about the Texans and the Titans because Titans made it to the AFC Championship game. I don't hear a lot about the Colts. They have a very good team. They are very well run. The, the Philip Rivers signing is very underrated, in my opinion. He's still a good quarterback. He didn't have a lot going well for him in uh, L.A. Now, in Indianapolis, he's got arguably one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. His, pass, his weapons are, they're not terrible by any means. He's got a solid running back core around him. And the coaches that he has, he already knows. He knows Frank Reich and uh, the offensive coordinator, Nick Singh. I can't remember the guy's last name, but they were all in, uh, they were all with the Chargers at one point with him. So he's got that uh, camaraderie there. And then the defense is still really good. This is pretty sound defense, in my opinion. I think the Colts, they are a very well-run team, a very well-put-together team. Chris Ballard has done a phenomenal job putting that team together. So and I believe the division is more open than some people might realize. The Texans... I don't trust the Texans. I like Deshaun Watson, but Bill O'Brien has destroyed that team. He's The things he's done has been mind-boggling to me. I don't get what he's doing. I don't think he knows how to run a football team, so I don't trust the Texans. The Titans, I don't see them making it back to the AFC Championship game. Uh, we'll have to see what Ryan Tannehill does in a second year as a starter. Derrick Henry's still going to be really good, but I think the Colts, I got the Colts winning the AFC South. I'm really high on this team. And you figure before uh, Andrew Luck just up and retired, they were a potential Super Bowl team. I remember a lot of people talking about them possibly being a Super Bowl contender. And then Andrew Luck retired out of the blue. And then everything kind of went downhill from there. Jacoby Brissett was all right for a few games. I think Philip Rivers will be a lot better this year and will be a lot better fit for the Colts. So that signing right there really helped, makes me believe that the Colts will win the division, making them my wild card or dark horse type team. I'm not sold on the Colts simply because of their quarterback. Now, I'm not going to go out here and say Philip Rivers is terrible by any stretch of the matter. He still has some value in the NFL. You know, he's, he's he's a very smart quarterback. He's seen all the defenses. But I just don't see it with Phillip Rivers. I, You know, you, you could talk about the offensive line was bad in San Diego at the time. It, it was Los Angeles or San Diego. I forget which one it was this past year. But, yeah, the yeah, Chargers. Los you, Angeles, yeah, Los Angeles. You get it. It's the Chargers. Yeah, I mean, but he had a lot of weapons. He had Keenan Allen. He had Mike Williams. He had some solid targets to throw to. And I just don't see it. I think that the fact that he is familiar with the system will help him. And the Colts, they're going to run the football. They're going to run the football with Jonathan Taylor, who to me was the best running back in the draft, in my opinion. You know, Marlon Mack is solid. I don't think that his wide receiver targets are all that great, but they're solid. Michael Pittman, he's a good player. T.Y. Hilton, when healthy, is very good. And it's going to honestly come down to the defense. If the defense can become 
a top 10 unit, a dominant unit. You add DeForest Buckner. You got some solid draft picks that you've invested in. You know, the, the defensive backs are okay, in my opinion. Leonard is a stud. Darius Leonard's a stud. So I think the defense in the running game are going to be very good. But honestly, I don't see it because I don't think the Colts are very explosive on offense. I think they can be a, an efficient offense. But see, when your quarterback's Phillip Rivers and you have to go through Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson in the AFC, I'm not sold. I don't think they're, I don't think they're going to be good enough at quarterback. I think they're going to win about eight games. You know, I think they can go eight and eight, maybe nine and seven. But I still believe the Texans are going to win that division simply because Deshaun Watson is that guy. I know Bill Bryan is not a good head coach, but Bill Bryan is not terrible. He's won the division in the past. I don't think the I don't think the Texans can win a Super Bowl. But I think I think they'll make the playoffs. You know, Deshaun Watson, in my opinion, is one of the five best quarterbacks in football. And anytime you have that guy, I believe you start at around eight or nine wins. So I think the team around him is good enough to win about one more game. I do think Tennessee's good. I think they're around a 9-7 or 10-win team. But I have Houston winning the division just because Deshaun Watson is that guy. And while he did lose DeAndre Hopkins, he's got Brandon Cooks to throw to. He's got, you know, Randall Cobb. He's got Kenny Stills. He's got Cootie. He's going to spread the ball around. And defensively, I think they're good enough. So my pick to win that division is the Texans. You know, do you do you think Rivers is going to have a good season? You know, talk about that a little bit. I think it'll be it'll definitely be better. Michael Pittman, I I was very high on Michael Pittman heading into the draft. That would be a good relationship there if you want Hilton can stay healthy, and then just having that offensive line, like I said, will be a lot better for him and the running game too. He's always relied on the running game. He's always been good when he has a good running game, like having Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon in the past. So having Jonathan Taylor back there will be very helpful. And I know he's already got a lot of uh, miles on his miles on him. But he's still, for the next few years, he's going to be a solid running back. I think Philip Rivers will be good for what the Colts are going to ask him to do. They're not going to ask him to do, they're not going to ask him to be Patrick Mahomes. He's not going to have to be Patrick Mahomes. But in that division, I just, Deshaun Watson is a heck of a quarterback. But I don't like the skills that he has around him. And then the defense, I don't really like the defense. I like the Colts defense over the Texans defense. And then it's, I, I just, for some reason, the Colts, to me, seem like they're, they're my favorite team in that division right now. And then, well, I really like the Philip Rivers signing for that team because he's already got the relationships built with a couple of those guys there. There's just something about that signing and that team that really makes me think that they could win it, win their division. I don't, they're not going to the Super Bowl, but I don't really trust any team in that division to go to the Super Bowl right now. I, I get Deshaun Watson and the Texans, but I just don't. Brandon Cooks, there's a reason he's always moving. Yeah. Randall Cobb is not himself. Kenny Stills, he's good for a few good plays. He doesn't have DeAndre Hopkins. They went. Bill Bryan went to the playoffs before, but he had DeAndre Hopkins. And I just don't know how this offense is going to function without him this year. And then the running backs too. David Johnson, really? Uh, I don't really <laughs> like David. Lamar Jet or Miller is coming off of an ACL. I don't trust the Texans' offense. I trust the Colts' offense a little bit more. Philip Rivers is old. He's been inaccurate. 
but I think some of the accuracy issues has been because his offensive line was bad with the Chargers, and he had to make quick decisions. When you have to make quick decisions, they tend to be bad decisions. With the Colts, he's got a better line. He'll have more time in the pocket to make better reads and better decisions, and I trust that better more. Yeah, it's going to come down to if Phil Rivers can make those three to four really good throws a game, and he's got protection, so we'll see how he does right there. But, yeah, I'm not sold on the Colts. Sorry about that, Caleb, but, man, it was great having you on. I appreciate you for coming on the show, man. It was fun talking some Jets football with you and some other topics as well. I appreciate being on. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no doubt. Thanks, man. Thank you so much for watching this video today. Please also note that the Juice Alert Sports Podcast is not just a YouTube channel. It is available on all podcasting platforms, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and Apple Podcasts. Also, if you enjoyed this video, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share this content with all your friends. This podcast is my favorite thing in the entire world right now. It is my passion. I want more people to listen to this podcast. I really want this podcast to grow. Also, a fun fact about me is that I want to go into the sports broadcasting and media world once I graduate from the University of Toledo, a college in Northern Ohio. I currently am a freshman there right now. I am looking to become one of the next great sports broadcasters and analysts out in the world. And I potentially would like to start my own network if this podcast really truly grows. Or if I fall short of that goal, I would love to work for a big time network like ESPN or Fox Sports 1. I am open to all networks. So if you believe in my dreams and you see or hear my passion through the screen, be sure to tell all your friends about the Juice Alert Sports Podcast. Stay motivated, you guys. Have a God-blessed day, and I'm out.